The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning, he came again to the temple. All the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, and placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such. What do you say about her? This they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And at once and once more he bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. But when they heard it, They went away one by one, beginning with the eldest. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus looked up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go and do not sin again. The Gospel of the Lord. One of the most beautiful gospel passages, in my opinion, where, as one of the church fathers says, that misery stands before mercy. Misery and mercy meet, right? And so this sinful woman stands before the merciful Savior. And it is this beautiful encounter that is so profound, uh, despite the way in which this encounter came about. And so if we look at the first and the second reading for today, as always, they are helpful for our understanding of what is happening. And the Lord speaks through the prophet Isaiah, and he speaks about a new way that he, will, that he will bring about. And this new way is a new way in the desert. In a place where there is no life, he will bring life. In a place where there is no water, it says, I will give water in the wilderness. This new water that is promised from God. And so it is about this getting, moving away from old things, like literally as St. Paul says, he leaves behind what is behind him and he looks forward to what is ahead, right? forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, looking to this new thing that God is working. And this new thing is salvation. He is coming to sinful humanity, and he is bringing something new, which is new life. In one of the Psalms, the prayer says, Lord, create in me a new heart. Create in me a new heart. What is very profound, one of the scripture scholars says, is that word for create is the same word for God's action when he makes something out of nothing. And so when the Lord is going to create in us this new work, this new heart, this new grace that he will give us, it is the same act as if he creates from nothing. He takes our nothingness, our misery, and he turns us into something new, something that is restored, something that is even better than what it was before. 
And so this is what the miracle is when Christ comes, this beautiful work of sanctification of sinners. The problem here, though, that we see is that the Lord has come and he has been preaching during this Feast of Tabernacles. And in the evenings, he has no one who will welcome him to stay with him, with, uh, that, he, that he is allowed to actually stay with. And so he always, as is the case when he is in Jerusalem, he always leaves Jerusalem either to go and stay at Bethany or he simply sleeps on the Mount of Olives with his disciples and then he comes back in the next day. And so he's gone out to the Mount of Olives and he's come back into the temple. But remember as well is that the previous day he had preached and he had said, come to me all you who thirst and I will give you this living water. He is this promised new water that was promised through the prophet Isaiah. And yet what happened is that they have rejected him. They have rejected the Lord and that's important because if we see what the Lord does is that while he is busy teaching, he comes into the temple and it says, all the people came to him and he sat down and he taught them. One of the church fathers says his disposition is so beautiful is that the Lord comes down to their level, a powerful image of what happens in the incarnation where the wisdom of God is brought down and made incarnate in order that we might know God. He comes to his children and he treats us in a very real sense as children. He comes down to our level in order that he might raise us up to his level. And so the Lord sits down with the people. One of the church fathers also says is that it is the duty of a teacher to instruct those who are, in, who are sincere and to rebuke those who are not. And so what happens is all of these beautiful souls are coming to the Lord sincerely desiring to listen to him. And as always in this process, in this beautiful work, when he is teaching those who have come to him to learn the truth, the scribes and Pharisees are never far away to interrupt this process. And so what they do is they still want to catch the Lord. They have no use for him. They do not desire to listen to him. They have rejected the fountain of living water. And so what they want is they want to place before him so that they can condemn him publicly because they are afraid of the crowds. So they bring him this woman whom they have caught in the act of, the, of adultery. How they came about this is something that we can speculate, but we know that it was probably not in charity or kindness that they acted in any way. And so they bring this woman whom they have caught in adultery and they place her in the midst. They seek not only to catch Christ, but they also have no regard for whom they might discredit or embarrass in the process. And so they put the Lord, this woman in the midst where everyone can see her and they publicly charge her of her sin, something that the Lord never does. And so what they say is they say, teacher, feigning this type of reverence that they might have for Christ, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now the law of Moses has commanded us to stone such, what do you say about her? They're hoping that the Lord might say something like what he said in Capernaum, when he healed the man who was lame, where he said, your sins are forgiven you. And they were all scandalized and they all were trying to enrage the people about this statement. Who is this who can forgive sins? Only God can forgive sins. So they're hoping that the Lord might say that again publicly, that her sins are forgiven. And so what they, they can charge him with is that he is rejecting justice. They want him to be merciful so that they can condemn him. That's the irony of their action, right? They want the Lord to be merciful with this sinner so that they can place him in chains and arrest him. But the Lord sees through always their traps that they set for him. And the divine wisdom is always at work to overthrow these types of snares. 
And we can see what is beautiful in what the Lord does is that he both affirms justice, he does not excuse her sins, but he also implements mercy. In the Lord, he is able to meet justice and mercy so that neither is thrown out or disregarded because God is just and God is merciful and he is able to reconcile those two things. And so what the Lord does is something that is very strange and has been much speculated about. He bends down and he begins to write in the ground. And it doesn't tell us what he wrote. It simply says that he wrote, that he wrote these words in the ground. And there's much, if you go to look at what, did he, what do you think he wrote, there's many scholars and scripture scholars who have all kinds of different insights. The best, I think, come from St. Thomas Aquinas and from St. Augustine. St. Thomas Aquinas, he has multiple interpretations, but one is that he says that because the Lord is writing, which means the impression of words into the dirt, into the earth, is that it is an image of the incarnation, the word of God taking human flesh. Right? We are dust, and unto dust we shall return. And so this image of writing words into the earth is a powerful image of what happens in the incarnation, where the word of God takes flesh. And so it is a rejection of the incarnation that we see in the scribes and in the Pharisees. Another interpretation, which I think is also very profound, is St. Augustine, and he ties it back to the prophet Jeremiah in chapter 17, verse 13, where the prophet Jeremiah says, that those who reject the Lord or those who turn away from you, their names will be written in the earth because they have rejected the fountain of living water. And I think that that applies very profoundly to this scene because we know that just before this, the previous day, they have rejected the one who called himself the fountain of living water. And so you can imagine the Lord bending down and he begins individually to write their names into the earth. And that as each of them realizes that they are known by the Lord, they might also think that he knows everything about them. And so they've come here as those who are just condemning the sinner. And what they want from the Lord is the condemnation of the sinner. They forget that they are sinners. So personally, they want mercy. But for this woman, they want justice. And so the Lord stoops down and he begins to write in the earth. And then he stands up and he makes this proclamation that anyone who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone. He affirms justice. Her sin deserves punishment. But he also is what he is saying here is that the, the administration of justice should not, be, uh, uh, should not be administered by those who break justice themselves, right? By those who sin themselves. And so he is the only one who is without sin standing in their midst. He is the just judge. And so once more, after he has stated this, he bends down and he writes with his finger in the ground. And now the scribes and Pharisees are faced with a dilemma. If anyone throws a stone now, it means that they are acting against Scripture because Scripture says even the just man sins seven times a day. So none of them can throw a stone because if they do that, they are also going against Scripture and against the law. And if they walk away, they are now introduced into the embarrassment that they sought to impose upon the woman. They all have to walk away from the Lord, acknowledging themselves to be sinners. And that's why they are not able to throw the first stone. So the Lord turns the embarrassment from this woman onto those who were seeking to accuse her. He acts justly, but he also acts with such profound and beautiful mercy. 
And as soon as they are left, it says they are standing alone, right? Jesus is left alone with the women. Jesus acts discreetly with sinners. We see this in the sacraments. When we are baptized, our sins are washed away. And when the Lord wants to restore us from our sins to grace, he acts discreetly. We have a sacramental seal of confession with which we can encounter Christ and receive his mercy. And so the Lord stands here alone with the woman. The just judge meets the sinner. The merciful judge meets the sinner. And then it has this beautiful line. It says, Jesus looked up and said to her, he is below her. He has stooped underneath her. He is not standing over her as a judge, but he is looking up to her as a judge, our humble Savior. This is also very profoundly an image of what happens in the crucifixion, where the Lord humbles himself to death, right? He is so humble that he dies for our sake, for the sake of sinners. He loves sinners to that extent. And so this looking up at us is an image of the Christ who has humbled himself in order to save us. And so Jesus looks up at her and he says, woman, where are they? It shows that he ha she has all of his attention. He's not looking around at anyone else. He's looking just at her. He says to her, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she says, no one, Lord, none of them. But she knows that she stands before the one who might and who could but none of them have condemned, but she awaits his sentence, the sentence of the merciful judge, the just judge. He says, neither do I condemn you, go and do not sin again. He neither affirms sin or excuses it, but he also desires that the sinner is returned to him. This is the beauty of what we have and when we encounter our, our Lord Jesus in all of the sacraments. This merciful and just judge who does not excuse our sins but desires to wash them away sacramentally so that we can be restored to him in truth. We should turn and we are encouraged always to turn towards him, the fountain of living water. But in order to drink in this living water which comes from Christ, we must have a sacramental life where we are in his grace and his life is in us. And this is what we are invited to in, in this Lent which is to consider our sins, to consider the ways in which we have failed God, but then also to place ourselves before him so that he can look upon us and that he can neither condemn us but also encourage us not to sin again so that we might be ever more deeply united to him, the fountain of living water. Amen.